Blog Talk Radio. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. New world coming. America will become increasingly vulnerable to hostile attack on our homeland. And our military superiority will not entirely protect us. Not protect us. Americans will likely die on American soil. And I believe it will also be said of this age, the first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is, will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Now, get ready to enter the zone where real life is stranger than fiction. The place where the news may seem like a dream, and the dream may be a matrix of reality. Let us now expose all lie of the devil and bring to light all the secrets of the enemy, because God truth will set you free. John 832. You're listening to This Week in the Zone with your host and watchman on the wall, Phil Armstrong. Hello, welcome to the Prophecy Zone. I'm your host, Phil Armstrong, and tonight we have an awesome guest and an awesome topic. We're going to be talking about Halloween and its occultic history. Uh, Duck Morteeth will be our guest. So uh, sit back and relax, and when we come back, we will bring on our guest. We will be back. This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We're living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us October 30th, 1991 President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. 
And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. Now, be prepared to re-enter the zone where only watchmen dare go and only the fearless do venture. Now from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future and the rapture of the church of the concentration camps of the enemy, your host once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to The Zone, The Prophecy Zone. Dr. Stan Mortiz, Prophecy in the News with Gary Sherman, uh, Raiders News Network with Tom Horn, Southwest Radio Ministries with uh, Noah Hutchison, and many more. Uh, all those programs I watch, by the way, or listen to, by the way, uh, television appearances, uh, 2020, Oprah Winfrey, Geraldo Rivera, Hard Copy, Inside Edition, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, and many, many more. Uh, and his uh, videos, DVDs, uh, have titles such as The Arrival of the Antichrist, America Court Holidays, which we're going to talk about today, Front Men of the Illuminati, uh, The Illuminati is Fulfilling Bible Prophecy, and the list goes on. <clears throat> and uh, here's some quotes. Uh, Ted... Gunderson, uh, senior director of the Los Angeles Department of the FBI, said this about Doc. Doc Marquis is the foremost leader and expert in the nation on the occult, on the occult world, possibly the whole world. Uh, and that says a lot uh, about his um, uh, expansive knowledge of what he's going to talk about tonight. So if you're going to listen to anybody, listen to him. Uh, Doc was raised as, in a, in a, <clears throat> as a child in an international court group known as the Illuminati. For 20 years, he was trained as an Illuminati uh, master witch, a third-level Illuminati rich, by the way. As a result, God's sovereignty and mercy, Doc became surrounded by Christians who presented him with the gospel. Confronted by God's word and love, he opened up his heart and mind, and on April 15, 1979, Doc became a born-again Christian. 
Praise the Lord. He's also authored books, um, Secret of the Illuminati, Signs, Symbols of and Satan, excuse me. That's 700 pages, by the way. The Illuminati Protocols of the Learning Elders of Zion, um, the Illuminati New World Order, America Cultic Holidays, and that's an audio cassette. Actually, most of those are in an audio cassette form. Sorry about that. So um, without further ado, let's um, bring on Brother Doc Marquise. Doc, you there? Yes, Phil. How you doing today? Pretty good. Bless, bless. How you doing? Oh, um, so long as I'm still standing up and able to do God's work, I am blessed. Amen, amen. Uh, today, you're going to have the floor, because I'm going to be honest with you, it's kind of difficult for me to, um, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll stick some questions in there as you talk, but it's kind of difficult for me to figure out what I'm asking you right now, because it's so expansive, and you're going back in history, and you're coming forward into now. So I'll try to ri- uh, catch on the ride and ask, ask a couple questions um, when I feel like there's a a questionnaire that I can exploit. So um, let's talk about Halloween, um, where it get its origins, and um, and what's the effects on uh, individuals. So we we start by the, its origins first. Okay, well, let's get into the history of Halloween itself, where it comes from and everything like that, and bring it up to modern day. Amen. Now, in order to understand all this, we actually have to go almost 3,000 years into the past, somewhere around 900 B.C., where the British Isles are located, you know, mm-hmm. England, Scotland, Ireland, that area of the world in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhere around 900 B.C., a nomadic tribe of people made it, its way into that area of Europe, and they were known as the Celts. Now, the Celtic tribal people were a very barbaric people. Um, twice in history, they held off the famous Roman legion itself. Mm-hmm. But it was somewhere around 900 B.C. that they made their way into the area known as the British Isles nowadays. And like any other um, people, nation, country in this world, or religion, if you would, they had a priestly class. Now, the priests of the Celtic tribes were known as Druids. Now, mm-hmm. from the Gaelic, Druid means, quite literally, the men of oak. See, in the occult world, um, the oak tree is the most sacred of all the trees that are worshipped. There are three major ones, but the oak tree is the biggie. Yeah. So, um, in those areas, as I said, such as Stone, um, such as um, England, Ireland, Scotland, um, the priestly class would meet in stone circles that they that eventually had been built. You know those stone circles such as Stonehenge, one of the most famous of all the stone circles. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that, correct, Phil? Yeah. Right. Now, um, there's, of course, Stonehenge, Azrahenge, Rollwright Circle, all of them. I mean, archaeologists... Um, have um, found close to a thousand such stone circles. Now, the one in Stonehenge on the Salisbury Plains, now that's a small stone circle, but you see, Stonehenge had three 
particular purposes in mind. First, they were uh, put there for um, astrological observations. You know, they would measure the seasons and everything. Second, mm-hmm. they were there um, built as temples of religious ceremony. Mm-hmm. Third, they were put there to observe the rites of human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now, underneath Stonehenge alone, archaeologists have unearthed more than 4,000 human skeletal remains. Wow. As I said, that's a small stone circle. The one yep. in Aysbury Henge, that one's more than a mile in circumference. So you can mm. only imagine how many tens of thousands of human sacrifice remains must be underneath that one. Yeah. So the priestly class, known as the Druids, they literally held all sway. And when I say all sway, I'm not kidding. You couldn't get married without their permission. Um, you couldn't join, shall we say, their version of military service without their permission. You couldn't become a tribal leader without their uh, permission. You couldn't even go to the temples, you know, those stone circles, and worship without their permission. They mm. literally held all power. Wow. Now, like any other, um, well, as I said, they were a priestly class, and so like any other nation, they had their versions of a religion. Now, with the Druids, they had um, their belief system was handed down to them all the way from Babylon. And it's because of that that you get the modern-day version of the Illuminati, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Well, anyways, during the, um, one week of, well, I should say, here in America, Halloween is celebrated tomorrow on the 31st of October. In the old days, it was a three-day fire festival that was held from October 29th, 30th, and 31st, and it was dedicated to the Lord of the Dead known as Samhain. Hmm. Um, one week before the first day of Samhain, which would have been the 29th going by our calendar, one week before that, the Druids would send out their Celtic followers throughout the countryside to gather up wicker reeds. Now, wicker reeds, as you well know, is a very strong type of material. That's where, you know, they build um, wicker furniture from, is from the wicker reeds. I'm sure you've seen that by now. No. (laughs) Wicker. Well, well, anyways, so they would literally um, bring back thousands and thousands of these wicker reeds because they would build a giant human effigy that stood around 30 to 35, 40 feet in height. It was known as the Wicker Man. And within the Wicker Man, this giant human effigy, they would also build cages. And they would also build, you know, regular cages on the ground. You know, those regular square cages, what, three by three or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, And once that was done, usually it was time for Samhain, which would have began on October 29th by our calendar. Remember back, you know, there's a difference between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar that we go by now. Mm -hmm. But it would have been right around that same time. Yeah. Now, on the night, on the first night of Samhain, all the followers, those followers who connected there, and the high priest, the Druid, would meet at the sacred stone circles, such as Stonehenge, as I said, for the example. Mm-hmm. 
and um, they would begin the um, the first night of Samhain with the usual um, ceremonies, the um, obligations, um, the observations, and everything to Samhain. Now, before they um, and after the opening ceremonies, they had a giant cauldron that literally was filled with what you would best describe as like an apple cider-like substance, you know, a liquid. And um, <laughs> they would light it on fire. And after that was done, the druids, along with a number of their followers, would um, leave Stonehenge, in this example, or whatever henge, you know, stone circle they were worshipping at, and they would begin to walk across the countryside. They would mm-hmm. start visiting various castles, palaces, manor, um, mansions, places like that, um, people of nobility. Now, hmm. um, yeah, once they, um, let, let's say they walked up to a mansion. Obviously, this person must have money, especially back then. Yep. They would walk up to the front door, they would bang on it, and would you like to take a wild guess what they would yell out? Satan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, trick or treat. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. See, back then, this um, would literally send a wave of terror through anyone who was in residence at the time. Because, you see, trick or treat was a two-part saying. The treat was, if you, as the lord of the manor, um, was going to cooperate with the Druids, you would hand over a servant or, if need be, one of your own family members over to the Druids to be used as a human sacrifice for that night. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the treat would be they would um, take a gourd or um, um, a turnip, um, yeah. both of which would have been already carved out and filled with human fat. They would light it and leave it on the front doorstep, and it would protect you from all the demonic forces they would be summoning that night. Wow. And of course, once it came, once it came to America, um, they added the pumpkin. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And these would be carved with faces and everything. Yeah. Now, here's the trick. If you did not cooperate with the Druids, they would take blood from a, um, a, from a human corpse that they had been dragging with them, and they would paint a giant six-pointed star with a circle around it. In the occult world, that's known as a hexagram. That is the foulest, the most evil of all symbols. There's nothing in this world that could touch it. Once oh. um, that had been drawn, usually... Someone would die um, from um, the demonic forces that would be unleashed during the three nights of Samhain. So the hexagram represents Satan? Oh, I rep- it doesn't represent Satan himself. It's an occult symbol that is used to summon up demons. And I mean literally demons to this plane of existence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right, Man. that's not to be confused with the Jewish star, the Morgan David, the Star of David. No, no, no. 
That is not to yeah. be confused with. That's a completely different symbol. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, once the Druids had been wandering the countryside, what, four to six hours, something like that, they would go back to their temples, again, let's say Stonehenge, and um, they had a, quite a number of people that had been tied up that were going to be used as human sacrifice offerings. Now, they would bring them back to these stone circles, throw them in the, um, with their uh, man or in those wooden cages and tie them there. Excuse me. Now, um, a little while after they got back um, to those stone circles, um, well, the Druids had their versions of fun and games, shall we say. They would take about 10, 12 of those prisoners, and they would line them up in a straight row in front of that cauldron. They would take an apple, throw it in the cauldron, and tell their captives, if you can take that apple out of the cauldron with your mouth on one try, we will set you free. Now, let me ask you this question, Phil. Would you do it? No, no. Okay. Think about this. Now, this is going to be your only way out now. This is your one and only chance. If you don't, if you don't try this, you're going to end up as a human sacrifice offering. Ooh. Would you okay. do it then? As long as it don't affect my Christian my belief in Christ, but if it's uh neutral I mean, yeah, most people, especially if it was their family at risk, I mean, you probably end up doing it then. <laughs> okay. Now let me remind you of something here. Mm-hmm. Remember, before the Druids left for that four to six hour walk into the countryside they Mm -hmm. lit that cauldron. So that liquid has been boiling away for hours now. The boiling temperature of that type of liquid is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Would you do it now? No. (laughs) Not. (laughs) I'll be honest, probably not. I mean, but if you didn't, He'd end up as a human sacrifice. Yeah. So, you see, this is a lose-lose situation because, you see, let's say, I mean, those people okay right now that was in that line, they all did it because yeah. this was the only chance out for them. Now, the problem, of course, now, I do have my medical degree. I have a medical background. Um, I got it when I was in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, you plunge your head into something like that, your flesh is going to start melting off your face. Yeah. Your hearing will probably be destroyed because of that 212 degree liquid that's pouring into your ear canals. Mm-hmm. Um, your eyes, you're, you're in danger of becoming permanently blind if the liquid starts seeping in between your eyes that hopefully are closed shut, but the problem is, as you're trying to get for that apple in between your teeth, all Mm -hmm. that liquid is funneling down your throat, so the medical um, possibilities here of any type of permanent damage are very high. You could go blind, you could lose your hearing, respiratory problems for the rest of your day, who knows um, 
um, how much um, disfigurement your face and your chest would have mm-hmm. become because of that 212-degree liquid. But yeah. if you succeeded, due to their words, the um, Druids would cut your bonds and let you go back home. Well, what type of a life would that be? I know, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, this is their version of fun and, fun and games. Now, if you failed on getting that apple on the first try, they throw you on the ground and behead you right there on the spot. Oh, that's great. Well, as I said, this is a do-it version of fun and games. Hmm. Now, as the ceremony itself would commence towards the end, um, they would call upon um, the, um, one of the demons of fire known as Kuninoff, and according to the ancient records, fire would shoot out of the dry ground and consume the wicker man, those cages, and all the victims inside of them. Huh. Yeah. Now, another thing that was going on during the first night of um, Samhain was it's believed that right at that time of the year, the veil that is separating um, the um, living world from those who have departed, the veil separating both worlds are at their thinnest. So, it's, it was believed you could actually summon these spirits back. Now, one of the things that they would do to help the um, spirits make their way back into the physical realm is that they would light these huge bonfires that the spirits supposedly could see. Now, the problem was nothing guaranteed that these spirits would be benevolent, that they would be good. So, in order to control any of these demons, or I should say, excuse me, spirits, that would be coming back in case they got out of hands, the Jews would paint these occult symbols on their robes that would add to their power so that they can control any of these spirits that got out of hand. Hmm. Now, for those followers, the Celtic tribal members, who couldn't make it to Stonehenge, they would hold the exact same ceremony except they wouldn't be able to observe the rite of human sacrifice. They would, you know, ride throughout the countryside, you know, in um, um, wagons and such, um, play, um, play um, bobbing for apples, but not with, you know, the Calden version. They would do the exact same thing, except, as it says, they, um, the dude wouldn't be present, so they couldn't hold the right of human sacrifice. Now, let's just look at this for comparison's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, Halloween, well, isn't true that at these so-called Halloween parties, they're bobbing for apples to this very day? Yes, sir. Yeah. Especially at carnivals. Yes. And the Wicker Man is also being represented by these scarecrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, costumes came about because the um, Druids would paint their normal robes with these occult symbols. That's where you get yeah. that from. Let's look uh-huh. at the, um, um, what we have as the jack-o'-lanterns, the pumpkins. Yeah. All that came from um, <coughs> the Druids 
And let's not forget, you know, the saying, trick or treat. So can you see where the history of Halloween actually comes from? Yeah, I see now since <laughs> since uh, you've uh, explained it. And, what we, and, you know, the practice, the way I just described it to you, um, more or less goes on to this very day in the order of the Illuminati. And what really, really kills me here, Phil, is that I can't tell you how many um, church buildings I have seen that are holding Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, this, a lot. This is wrong beyond all wrong that you could possibly come up with. Yeah. I don't care how the Christians, my own brothers and sisters now, try mm-hmm. to, you know, um, cover this up, but it's still wrong. Yes, now, they will try to say, well, we're holding a harvest festival or a harvest party. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, they got that from the Celtic tribal followers. Remember, not all the followers were able to make it to the stone circles, so they held the same type of ceremony except without the human sacrifice. Now, when we go to a harvest festival, <clears throat> aren't those um, people bobbing for apples? Yeah. Don't you see the place? And sometimes they hold contests for the best carved um, pumpkin. Costume, yeah. Or the pro- Don't yeah. you see them pumpkin. having, you know, these um, um, wagon um, rides for the kids um, with, you know, hay on it, and they go to a, a haunted wood or um, something like that? Mm-hmm. And I love the way the, the hypocrisy really hits the heights when instead of dressing like monsters or people from Star Wars or Harry Potter or whatever, no, let's really be hypocrites and have the kids dress up as Bible characters. That's going to make it better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have them That's going to make it cool, Bible right? characters. Now it's a really Christian festival. Chapter 3 tells us 
um, in our day and age, which we're living in right now, we would have a vast majority of Laodicean Christians. A Laodicean Christian is a lukewarm Christian. He's a fence walker. He won't commit to the left-hand side or to the right-hand side. And as a result, Jesus Christ in his own words says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Now, Phil, what if your own father were to walk up to you right now and say, Phil, you are no good to me. Mm. How would that make you feel? Very sad. Yeah. Now, how much greater is the condemnation if God himself points the finger at you and say, Phil, you are no good to me. Mm. Yeah. How would that I get make you feel? Uh, yeah. Man. So wow. how can any of these Christians expect to be blessed or used of God when they're fence-walking, being lukewarm, double-minding, serving to masses, while at the same time God is pointing his finger at them and says, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. You are no good to me. Wow. Yeah. The Bible says... He says, my uh, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's also distorted knowledge. You know, the truth of the matter is, if we're not being used or blessed of God, we've done, done, we've done something to deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know, God wants to make of his children yes, vessels of honor that he can rely upon and call upon in a moment's notice. But if we're contaminating yeah. ourselves with these ancient occult holidays, we can never be fully used of God or blessed of God. That's what it comes down to. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Are we gonna, uh... I was gonna I'm sorry. Say, I'm not saying this to be mean or hurtful, but I yeah. want my brothers and sisters to realize what they've been doing to wake up and to stop playing all this, you know, occultic nonsense. Colossians 2 tells us, there's a warning, excuse me, there's a warning where it says not to go after the traditions of men. Yes. And that's exactly what these occult holidays are all about. We do it because, oh, it's that time of the year. <laughs> Let's, you know, observe the tradition. Yeah. That's why they do it. And, of course, I love the excuses. Oh, we're just doing this for the kids. So you're passing on your sin to the kids so that they can pass it on to their kids and so on and so on and so forth? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work, though. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll be right back.
623 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prosperity Zone on Block Talk Radio. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture an American Warning Radio with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson, uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program, and I think one once people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. That guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. Warning. American. Warning. American. habit forming. This habit forming. Use the truth carefully. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's anamericanwarning.com. out our future and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on the Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. Welcome to the Prophecy Zone, the place to stay informed about current events that line up with Bible prophecy. And now, your watchman on the wall and host, Bill Armstrong. Alright, so uh, check us out at www.bzrn.org. That is our website, and um, you can go there and, and listen to, uh, actually check out current news. From all world, definitely uh, check us out um, starting November 5th. Uh, and also, um, keep in touch with us. We're going to start doing a show on 
specific day. We haven't figured out the day yet, but uh, once we start uh, congregating on that one specific day, we're probably going to get much more listeners than we have now. Uh, Block Talk Radio is a blessing. Uh, we seem to have uh, with Block Talk Radio, so we're going to venture off into other lines. We're still use Block Talk Radio as far as interviews is concerned. I'm going to do a little study on the specific times of day that Block Talk is more useful. Um, you probably say good luck to those who are on Blog Talk and understand. Uh, there are other means and uh, ways of doing interviews that we're going to um, uh, venture off and study. And, um, yeah, there, there are multiple ways. I haven't looked at anything, um, to, you know, to be honest, to be serious about it, but now I'm looking for a professional look, a listen, or videos and audio. And um, so... Yeah, check us out on uh, our website, and um, also check us out on Facebook at um, the Proph- Prophecies on Radio News Group, and also um, we have a uh, page that's Prophecies on, so just look us up in the search engines. Okay, so let us continue with our conversation with Doc Martinez. McKees. We are having a good time. I don't know why I said Martinez. We could um, stand to stand. I, that came out the wrong way. But um, yeah, Doctor Stan is supposed to be coming on my show a couple of times, and we never got around to it. So I'm gonna call him up again, and uh, I'm pretty sure Doc's been on his show as well. Um, so Doc, uh, I was enjoying the the uh, uh, conversation uh, in an interview uh, that we were having about uh, Halloween. Um, and I see this, how uh, these rituals have progressed through time, and that's a long time ago, and we're still doing the pagan things now. Matter of fact, Jeremiah talked about a uh, cutting off a tree, or cutting down, decking the tree with you know different ornaments and things like that, well, and yeah, that still if, spooks if me the heck out. I was going to say, Phil, if you'd like, we can get into Christmas. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now, before I do, um, let me explain something to everyone. Um, we know that according to Genesis 1, um, you know, Genesis chapter 1, um, um, verses 14 through 17, God made the lights, you know, the, um, the moon, um, the suns, and the stars, okay? Now, he yep. tells us he divided um, these times so that we could, you know, um, measure and live time by, and to use them also as seasonal markers, you know, when to plant, when to sow, so on and so forth, okay? But mm-hmm. um, Satan, through his followers in the Illuminati, has perverted this beyond all comparison. You see, they've taken the calendar we, we go by, you know, the regular calendar, it's what's known as a Gregorian calendar, the, the, the calendar that's used just about throughout the world, and he's perverted it. Mm-hmm. You see, the calendar yeah. itself was um, numerically rearranged by the Illuminati to fit into a very specific occult numerical pattern. Now, there are eight nights in the Illuminati mm-hmm. um, in which human sacrifice must be observed. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It will be done. So, the calendar was arranged in such a way that... Um, Every single one of those nights fell within the numerical pattern, 
and every single one of those nights, just about every single one of them have, um, um, shall we say, an American um, occult holiday on it. Like um, the next yeah. one that's going to be coming up is the night, well, I should say tomorrow, um, Samhain, or what's known as Hall- um, mm-hmm. Halloween, is on that pattern. The yeah. next one um, after that is going to be um, December um, 21st, which we've changed into Christmas. It's originally known as Yule. Then, of course, there's Easter, St. Patrick's Day, St. Valentine's Day, um, so on and so forth. Now, let's go with what you were talking about with Christmas. We know, um, according to tradition, this is tradition now. This is not uh, biblical fact. We're talking to tradition now. Well, Mary Mm -hmm. and Joseph was on the way to Bethlehem. Mary was pregnant. Um, There was no room at the inn until Mary gave birth to Christ in a manger with the three wise men, the angels all around, all types of animals, the shepherds, and our little drummer boy. That's tradition, correct? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh Um, None of those people were there except for the shepherds. There was no angels at the manger. There was no wise men. There was only Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, um, shepherds, and who knows how many smelly sheep. Talk about being born (laughs) in a lowly station. I mean, our own blessed Lord and Savior, he didn't even have a warm room at the inn to stay in. No. They threw him out in the manger. Yeah. Wow. But one of the aspects of the Lord was he came to serve. And that requires a lowly station. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's look, first of all, at the truth of Christmas. And again, all this comes from the occult worship of the stag god, or what's known as the winter god. Now, according to tradition, Jesus Christ is born on the 25th of December. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not even close to the truth. You see, there's two things in the Bible that clearly point out the approximate time Christ was born. We go to, um, um, I believe it's the second chapter of Luke. We find out Mm -hmm. that um, there was a decree from Rome that all the world was to be taxed. In other words, there was either a major taxing going on or what some people, um, the historians, would best reckon as a um, census. In either case, Mary and Joseph, being yeah. obedient um, to the law, um, um, left their home and headed to Bethlehem. Well, along the way, yes, Mary gave birth to yeah. Jesus, but... Um, the timing of the tax, according to historians, was somewhere around the first or second week of September. Now, the second marker tells us that um, the shepherds um, were tending to the flocks that they were still out in the field. Now, the latest the sheep are mm-hmm. ever brought in would be the second week of October. After that, it gets too cold in that region for them to survive. 
You can ask anyone who's lived on a kibbutz exactly. or um, a rabbi who's lived in those areas. They'll tell you the general time is around the second week of October. So we know that somewhere from the beginning of December yeah. to somewhere around the middle of October was when the Lord was born on the earth. Now, that's not even close to December, is it? Wow. Yeah, that's off. Mm-hmm. That's off by a mile right nope, there. not at all. The question is, whose birthday is it? Yeah. We know um, that, historically speaking, um, the very first religion on the face of the earth was witchcraft. It was not Judaism, it was witchcraft. Um, witchcraft precedes Judaism by at least 2,000 years, probably more. It all began at Babylon yeah. with um, Nimrod and his mother, Semiramis. They started a religion mm. in which they came up and started worshiping a false god known as Moloch. That was the chief god of this new religion. Well, um, at that time, let me see, Cush begat Nimrod, so it would have been his uncle Shem. Shem, once he found out what his nephew had done, took a number of soldiers, literally marched into the throne room of Nimrod, (coughs) excuse me, dragged him out of the city wall and executed him and cut his body into, I believe it was, ten pots, and sent Mm. them throughout every single one of the cities that Nimrod had established as a warning to the next person who would dare mock God in that fashion. Yeah. Well, Nimrod was was, um, um, a very smart cookie there. So she moved the entire religion underground, and while underground, she told her priests and priestesses that she was having, quote, unquote now, an immaculate conception. Now, where have we heard that one before? I know, right? Exactly. So, anyways, um, this new child that was going to be born, according to her explanation, was actually Nimrod that was going to become, that was coming back in another form. Now see, this is where the um, belief of reincarnation comes from. You don't die or go to heaven or go to um, hell or heaven. No, you come back as in another form. Now accordingly, this new form that Nimrod came back in um, Semiramis named Tammuz. That event happened on December 25th. Hmm. That's who it was that was born on the 25th. And mind you, um, Tammuz was known as the sun god. You see, in ancient Rome, they had a festival known as Saturnalia, in which they were worshiping the sun god on December 25th. There would be a huge pageant, literally a giant parade, that would stretch from one end of Rome and go all the way to the very um, throne of um, Caesar himself. And to honor the god, Camus, um, Nimrod, uh, not Nimrod, um, whatever Roman emperor was in charge at the time, 
there'd be a huge um, banquet in which um, who knows how many animals had been killed and slaughtered, and a huge feast would go on. Caskets after casket after caskets of wine would be um, put out for the populace to partake in, and to honor um, the gods, you know, they would give them gifts to each other or bringing um, offerings to whatever particular god they worshipped. All this was going on on the 25th. Now let's think about this for a second. Isn't there giant parades going on to this very day during Christmas, you know, like Macy's um, parade in New yeah. York? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Aren't people having these huge um, dinners on the 25th? Yep. Definitely. Aren't yeah. people still drinking wine and other libations during the 25th? Uh-huh. Yep. Aren't people still um, giving presents to each other on the 25th? Yeah, that's the basically what Christmas is about today. Now, isn't this exactly what they were doing back in pagan Rome? Yes, sir. Now, let's add to this. Well, we've got the Santa Claus story now to go by, don't we? Let's look mm -hmm. at this and see how it adds up to the whole scene. We know, by the Bible, there are three omnis that's denoted to God. Omni um, being, you know, um, omniscient, omnipotent, mm -hmm. and omnipresent, correct? Yes, sir. Right. Omniscient is all-knowing. Omnipresent is everywhere at once. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Through the Santa Claus story, Satan is actually trying to still convince people he's as God. Now, when um, we look at Santa Claus, Santa Claus is checking his list and checking it twice. Why? Going to find out who's naughty or not. <laughs> right. So Santa Claus has the power to determine who's been naughty or who's been nice at any time, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what called, think. That's called omniscience, all-knowing, isn't it? Uh-huh. Right. Well, doesn't Santa Claus also have the power to traverse the entire earth in one night and give gifts to all the people of the world? Yeah. And then when that's I was a being, kid, uh, that's being omnipresent. Yeah. Right. I, I wonder how he did that. Right. And, of course, Santa can do these things because he's all-powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, according to some of the ancient stories, Santa Claus learned how to take a snowball and make it into a, a crystal ball to scry or see who's been naughty and who's been night. He was taught this by the winter god. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Santa Claus is actually using occult powers to aid him in determining now, who's been naughty and who's been nice. Now, where, where was uh, when did Santa Claus come into the picture, though? I mean, I mean, I mean, it, was it the last thousand years, or was it further back? Oh, than that? that oh, that's been going on in Europe for centuries now. 
Yeah. You know, but um, in America, he's called Santa Claus. In um, England, he'd be called Father Christmas. Um, In places like um, Denmark or any of that that region of the world, he's known as um, St. Nicholas. It just depends on which region of the world you're from. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, does um, now Santa Claus himself has a magic sleigh that's pulled by eight reindeers? Correct. Reindeers. Yes, sir. Right. Now, if you remember, I told you, um, Yule is a time in which they worship the stag god or the winter god. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason reindeers are used in this story is because reindeers are stag creatures. They represent the stag god. Wow. Yeah. Um, the reason we um, um, use red and um, green as the main colors for the season, you know, for Christmas, mm-hmm. is because in the occult world, those are the two main colors that will always be used during the Yuletide season. And what colors are those again? Red? Red and green. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at um, Santa Claus's outfit. It's red, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Look at the uh, look at the stockings that are hung. They're red and green. Look at the outfit the um, little elves are wearing. They're red and green. And Santa's mm-hmm. little helpers, the elves, by the way, um, are not nice little creatures. That only happened once it came here to America because. In um, in England, where I'm from, and you'll find this story throughout the rest of Europe, elves were little demonic creatures that went across, that went around, causing no end of mischief and making everyone's lives miserable. Hmm. Wow! So we candy coated it, sprinkled a little sugar on it, and said, "Oh, it's a Christian holiday." <laughs> That's how it happened. Wow! Now, um, um. The reason we have Christmas wreaths, um, and sometimes you put the Christmas wreaths as a um, center, a table center decoration, you know, with candles and such, mm-hmm. um, is because um, that, is, that symbol itself represents the um, god and the goddess of the occult world. Yeah. You see, the circle represents the female reproductive organs. The candles represents the male reproductive organ. It's also a symbol for reincarnation. Hmm. Yeah, this way, oh. and oh, and um, there's there's one other interesting tradition now, and we did this in my family, and I know this um, was done in other families that weren't in the Illuminati because I've seen this done before. <laughs> Excuse me. Tradition, again, the magic word tradition, um, dictates that, um, you know how they have Yule logs in the fireplace, you know, during the Christmas season? Uh-huh. By tradition, you have to use one of the sacred trees. Again, one of them was oak. Another one is the birch tree. What you would do by tradition, you would like the um, the birch logs, and they um, would um, you know stay lit you know on and off for the whole season. Now, what you would do, um, 
afterwards, you would take one piece of the birch log that hadn't been burnt, and you would set it, set it aside for the whole year. And when Yule or Christmas came around again for the next year, you would take that piece of the birch log, light it, and then light the other birch logs with it. You see, wow. this completes the cycle of reincarnation. Oh, there's a cycle. <laughs> yeah, you see, the, the winter god is coming back again now. Yeah. That's why you relight the old logs, um, the new logs with the old um, birch piece. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's get into, as you were um, saying, um, Jeremiah chapter 10 in the Bible. Okay? okay? All right. We find out... Um, in Genesis, in, in, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. Let me read it for you. It says, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. So, the verse, first verse, we know that God was speaking to his children here. The second verse, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. I tell everyone, memorize those seven words. Learn not the way of the heathen. The heathen or the pagans were those occult practitioners that resided out in the country. Hmm. It goes on to say, And be not dismayed or worried, if you would, at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Now, the signs of the heaven that the heathens are dismayed at, you see, the heathens were practicing astrology. Yeah. That's what it's talking about. And you know, as well as I do, astrology is a, is a forbidden practice according to God's word. Yeah. Do, um, I, I, anyone who wants to doubt this, go to chapter, um, Deuteronomy chapter 18. You'll, you'll get a full um, face of it. Now, yeah. so we know that God, that God is telling us, don't be dismayed at, this, at um, the signs of heaven that the heathens are worried about. And also, God was saying... Um, I don't want you to practice the way of the heathen. Now, what um, was God talking about when he said this? We have to drop down to verse 3 to keep this in context. Now, I'm going to read this, and you tell me what we're describing. It says, For the customs of the people are vain. In other words, they're empty. For one cut of the tree out of the forest... The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. What are we describing? Christmas tree. Exactly. I mean, think about this. You go to the forest. You cut down the tree with an axe, you bring it home, you stand it upright, you deck it um, with silver and with gold. Yep. People, that's a Christmas tree. Amen. And the reason they were decking it with silver and gold, to this very day, you can ask anyone in the occult realm, the, um, the most ancient of all symbols for the male god is... Um, a five-pointed sign known as a pentagram, and it must be gold. The oldest symbol for the goddess is a crescent moon, and it must be silver. This is why they were decking it with silver and with 
very old. Yep. Because this tree um, um, served um, to remind everyone of the god and the goddess. Now, mm-hmm. what they were also doing um, way back when, before we um, took, you know, those little electric light bulbs and put them around the tree also, you know, with tinsels and, yeah. um, and um, putting, you know, those electric candles in the windows. Yeah. Um, before, before the advent of electricity, people would take real candles, put them on the Christmas tree and in the windowsills and light them. Now, the reason they did that is because according to the occult belief, the winter god or the star god could see it from heaven, and he would come down and bless the um, the worshippers, those who followed him. Yeah. That's where the lights come into play. Now, isn't it true? To this very day, people are putting up um, five-pointed stars up on their Christmas tree. Oh, for sure. They use it. They yeah. use angels sometimes, but yeah, they they, oh. they started to use that too. The five-pointed star, once again, as I said before, that mm-hmm. represents the stag god, a.k.a. Nimrod, a.k.a. Satan himself. Yeah, amen. That's where you get that from. Now, huh. what was really going on at the manger? You see, the um, according to the Bible, um, we know the wise men who were in the east saw the star. And people assume that, well, they made it to the manger on time. No, they didn't. The Bible even points out they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, um, um, at that time of um, when these things were going on, um, the, um, the um, 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 wise men were over in the east. They were on the um, farthest side of the east, almost possible, because um, when they saw the star, Christ had been born. The Christ, the um, star, heralded or announced the birth of Christ, and they saw it. So they knew something great, something wonderful, something marvelous had happened. And they searched the ancient records, and according to what they discovered, the king of kings had been born. Now... Tradition tells us it was three wise men, correct? Amen. Yeah, it does. It couldn't have been three. It had to have been, believe it or not, somewhere between 30 to 50. And I'll tell you why. In order to traverse where they were, and in order to go through that part of the Judean province during that day and age, um, you would have required nothing short of an army because... That part of the world was a very dangerous region. You even, I mean, you went through it. You might as well have said, I'm going to be robbed or I'm going to be killed. That's it. Now, mm-hmm. most wise people, um, you have to remember, these were people that were um, court officials. These were the wise men, the ones who advised the kings or whatever monarch was in you know, I'm charged of whatever nation at that time. Now, Mm -hmm. these were valuable, valuable resources. So they would have to um, seek permission to go from point A to point B. Now, once they sought this permission, I guarantee you, 
that the king was going to make sure that they were well protected along the way. They were yeah. given um, plenty of provisions and everything, and most of them went with a contingency of 50 to 100 armed soldiers. Mm-hmm. So in order to go, as I said, to that part of the world um, and survive, they, mm-hmm. they had to have been somewhere between 30 to 50 wise men who went. Now, yeah. so we're talking about a huge army now that um, was traveling um, from point A to point B um, for two years, a huge um, contingency. You multiply, you know, what, an average of 100 soldiers per wise man. We're talking mm-hmm. um, a caravan of somewhere in the neighborhood of between three to 5,000 people now. So I don't care how big or how bad those um, 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 what, what do you call those people who try to jump you? Um, bandits. Bandits, thank you. I don't care how big or bad the bandits may think they were, they were not about to contend with um, um, professional soldiers um, in the numbers of three to 5,000. If nothing else, they would have just stepped out of the way and said, go ahead. No toll. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, here's the interesting part. If you notice, according to the scriptures, they brought three particular gifts, didn't they? Yeah. Markings. Do you remember what they were? Frankincense, myrrh, and something else. I can't remember yeah. that. Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Yeah, and gold. Okay. Now, why frankincense and why myrrh? Why them? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I need to do my homework okay. on that one. Let me tell you. Um, um, frankincense and myrrh were among the most difficult and costliest of perfumes and oils to make back then. It would take literally months upon months upon months to make this stuff. Just like um, back then to make royal purple, you know, for the, for the king and the families of nobility. Mm-hmm. The way they did it back then, they would go to the seashore, find um, seashells that had, you know, like purple blocks on it or purple streaks. They would yeah. have their slaves scrape off that purple so that they could boil it off and make a dye out of it. Wow. I mean, think of how many seashells it would it take to do that. Quite a few. Exactly. So, you see, because frankincense and myrrh was so difficult to make, it was extremely costly. And remember that in the Bible, accordingly, the lady who washed the feet of Christ with her hair anointed his feet with myrrh, I believe it was. And then she took her hand and wiped his feet. And Judas was complaining, saying, do you know how much that costs? That's a year's worth of wages right there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This stuff was expensive. Now, here's the big question, I mean, the big answer. Why those three things? Well, you see, we know that the um, wise men stopped off in, um, oh, who was the king of Judah at that time? Um, Caiaphas? Uh, no, no, no. No, uh, Pontius Pilate. No, no. Yeah. 
No, no, uh, Harriet. Harriet, thank you. Yep. Okay. They um they stop off at Harriet's um castle and they say that we saw the sign of that announced the King of the Kings had been born. And yep. we've traveled for two years and we want to know where he is. And Herod yep. said he didn't know, but he told them, once you find out, come back here and let me know so I could go worship him. Well, that was a lie. He didn't want to worship the king of kings. He wanted to kill him. Yeah. You see, Herod did not want to have this position taken away, which is where yeah. the prophecy, where it talks about... Um, um, <laughs> Was it Rebecca would be um, weeping and wailing over the death of her children? Yeah. You know? Um, so anyways, they leave Herod's place. They go and find Jesus, you know. Um, and from what I understand, he was working in his father's um, shop because Joseph was a carpenter by profession. And this is important mm-hmm. to remember. Joseph yeah. was a known carpenter. See, carpenters were among the most important people of that day and age because these people, the carpenters, they would have to go to the forest, cut down the trees. They would have to hew the trees, in other words, trim them, all the bark off. Then they would have to hand cut them, you know, to where they had plants or, you know, um, four by fours. All this was done by hand. And then they had to carry it, who knows, to where or what place. I mean, let's face it, carpenters back then, they were lumberjacks. Yeah, wow. These weren't weenie people. These were big, strapping, muscular people who were carrying trees, you know, and boards and other things that were weighing hundreds of pounds, for goodness sakes. Yeah. This was a man's man. <laughs> so when I see any of those so-called pictures of Jesus Christ that look so effeminate, it just drives me insane. Um, yeah. Because the truth of the matter yeah. is, the Lord had a profession that would have demanded he ended up as a lumberjack. Mm-hmm. You know? So, That's rough business. Oh, remember, they, they had to make all this by hand. They had to yep. cut down the trees, trim it. They had to take off all the bark. They had to cut it to where they had what we would consider boards or four-by-fours or whatever what was needed. This was yeah, done by hand. And in our day, even even with wood and, and you know, craftsmanship and, and, and things like that uh, require a more 21st century style, you know, method to the madness than they did back then. Exactly. So you can see, um, as a skilled carpenter, you were heavily in demand, and people knew you by name. They would say, oh, yeah, you need this, you go to Joseph, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, if you've got a commission for X amount of plants, yeah, talk to Joseph, he can handle it. Uh-huh. So you see, Joseph was known. <coughs> this was the big problem. You see, <coughs> excuse me. I'm trying to get rid of the cold here. I live in the Midwest, and it's getting cold. Yeah, me too. Well, anyway, so all the wise men, the huge contingency makes it to Joseph's shop. They see the Lord, two years old, and they fall down and worship at him. And Mm -hmm. they're literally presenting this two-year-old boy with, you know, boxes filled with gold, 
myrrh, and frankincense. Mm -hmm. And the reason that was done was because the Lord was uh, providing um, for, uh, for Jesus Christ because something was about to happen. You see, the um, angels um, had appeared to the wise men and told them, you will not go back to Herod, for he seeks to destroy the child. Go back home, take him this route. And they did. And in a dream, Joseph was told, you've got to pack up bags, pack up your bags now and leave, because Herod seeks to destroy the boy. And the reason, and now what had happened, we find out that um, Joseph took Mary in Egypt and cut themselves away in Egypt for 10 years. Christ was not seen again until he came back when he was 12. So for 10 years, literally speaking, because Joseph had a good name and reputation as a carpenter, they had to lay low. Mm -hmm. So reason, frankincense, gold, and myrrh was so God could provide for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in a way that the man, that the man Joseph would not have to work. Joseph had to stay low, and they had plenty of money, and they had the gold and myrrh, I mean the uh, myrrh and the frankincense to sell whenever they want to, and it would have brought in big bucks. Yeah. Wow. You see, all that was brought to Jesus because God was providing for him for the next ten years. Amen. That's why it was done like that. Mm-hmm. There was no um, manger scene here. Yeah. No. The wise men showed up two years later when God said, I need you to be here at this time and give these gifts so my child and his family can be provided for the next ten years. Wow. That's what was going on. Yeah. That was a long time because a lot of times people think that, you know, they went to Egypt for like a couple of months and then God told them to, you know, come home. But it's nothing like that. Nope, he said, you cannot come home till this guy has died. And it was mm-hmm. 10 years later that Herod did die. Yeah. And that's when Joseph appeared, I mean, the angel appeared and said, okay, um, your enemy is dead. You can come back. Yeah. And that's when he did. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and take another break, and we'll be right back as soon as I get to my screen. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prosperity Unbox Talk Radio. story we're following. New Yorkers can now apply for the new enhanced driver's license. Before the Melissa Hunt mine at Peacebridge with the latest. Melissa? Well, Lisa, they've only been available for a couple of hours, but already more than 100 New Yorkers have applied for the new enhanced driver's license. Officials say that they'll make crossing borders like here at the Peacebridge 
safer and faster. Now, starting June 2009, federal law will require you to either have the enhanced driver's license or passport to enter into the U.S. from Canada, the Caribbean, or Bermuda. Now, the new enhanced driver's license has a special radio frequency chip inside that will make it faster at the border crossing. Now, for a regular renewal, the enhanced license costs $80. That's $30 more than a regular license, but a passport costs more than $100. Now, a birth certificate will suffice at the border until June 2009, and it will always be accepted for children under 16. Now, what you... This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We are living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us. Now, be prepared to re-enter the zone where only watchmen dare go and only the fearless do venture. Now, from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future in the rapture of the church, the concentration camps of the enemy, your host, once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to the zone, the prophecy zone. copyright uh, mess with by YouTube because everything I stuck up on uh, on that website they throw up a copyright uh, it's not a, it's not really a punishment it's a, a red flag um, just saying it's not even a red flag it's a warning it's not even a warning it's just saying that this this we spotted copyright and do you agree? And I say, yeah, no, whatever. But um, starting now, if I make any uh, intros, and there are places out there that make intros, um, I'm going to make it so the computers can't figure it out like that last one right there. I don't think they, they're going to say anything about that. As far as videos, there's a, uh, when you when you play in a news clip, that's fair usage. There's nothing they can do. Now, I've seen channels taken now. 
and I know who those channels are, and uh, those are guys who use too much. So you can't take a whole, you know, uh, CNN uh, interview or CNN news report and use the whole thing like if it's a 10-minute, you know, straight through. They're going to they're gonna figure that out, and they're going to take your channel down. But if it's like, you know, like the one I play accidentally played about the Mark of the Beast, are you playing that? There's nothing YouTube can do. They can't. They they can't shut you down if they want to. They can do anything they want. You know, as long as you on their site. But um, you know, who knows? But I um, I had um PayPal. Uh, I guess somebody back east. I'm I'm guessing back east used my private information. So it had they had to know my father, and they were using his stuff. And then you, um, PayPal put a block on my account, and it's still there for no reason. Now, had I been making money, I believe I could have taken PayPal to court. But, um, you know, I never got around to <laughs> making any money. Uh, but um, anyway, let's get back to the interview. All right, Doc, we, we, we are enjoying your um your teaching. So um, let, let's continue on with, um, let's go to, with Easter. And, uh, okay, let's do Easter then. Um, yeah, now, yes, before we do, allow me to um, say one thing, though, please. Yes, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, for people who want to, you know, um, view the trailer or look at um, that DVD um, where that I had written a couple of years ago and um, we're talking about it right now. That's called America's Occult Holidays. We have a lot of DVDs out, as you have um, said, though. And for anyone who wants to go to my website and take a look at any of these DVDs, um, the website, now this is all going to be lowercase, no apostrophes, just one long word. It's www.itsagodthingproductions777.com. And that's it's a God thing productions seven 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 dot com. You can also, um, if you want to um, send me a message on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. Just you know, type in Doc Marquis, or um, you can email me at Doc Marquis seven 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 at yahoo dot com. That's hey, Doc Marquis seven 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 at yahoo dot com, or if you want, call me any time in the afternoon. That's when I'm usually back from taking care of all the ministry stuff here. Um, you can call me at 402-228-9476. Now that's 402-228-9476. And yes, you can sir. Get all yes, that sir. Call up Bill. He'll give you the rest. <laughs> Amen. As a matter of fact, uh, we're gonna um, we've been our website. We're building a new one, and we also built we're using the the one we have now, and we're gonna put um, some uh, your books on on the front page and links back to your uh, whatever the order form. Because I have to actually go copy the link and then st- stick it on my ad um, management system. Oh, I appreciate and, that. That's really good of you. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about Eastern. Okay, Easter. Well, let's see how this all began. 
Now, you remember how I said um, some of us had pushed um, on that new religion, the, uh, the occult religion on this witchcraft underground? Yeah. Okay. Well, she pushed it on the ground after it had been going on in Babylon for quite a number of years. You see, back during the time of Nimrod, and people have to understand that people lived a lot longer back then. I mean, the average lifespan of people who lived back then was somewhere between eight to 900 years. We have to remember, um, just look at um, Adam. He died, I believe, at 950 years old. Methuselah, who's recorded as the oldest person ever to live, was 969. So, yeah, the average lifespan was somewhere between mm-hmm. eight to nine, 900 years. So, Nimrod, who had this great tower of wow. Babylon built, um, had lived for quite a number of years along with his mother, Semiramis. So they had centuries to get this religion going until it was found out by Nimrod's uncle Shem. Now, um, mm-hmm. um, let me just think for a second. So, um, interesting enough, the child that um, Semiramis um, had, um, and that was Temuz, he lived to be 40 years old. Because when he was out on a hunt, like his father, uh, Nimrod was described in the Bible as a mighty hunter before the Lord. Well, Nimrod, I, I yes, say, excuse me, Amos was killed by a wild boar. And he died at the age of 40. You'll see how this um, mm-hmm. plays into the story in a bit. Well, anyways, yeah. like anyone else, some of Amos eventually died. Now... According to the ancient stories, one year after Semiramis had died, a huge multicolored egg had fallen out of the heavens and fell into the Euphrates River. It washed ashore onto a pile of wicker reeds, and out of that egg emerged Semiramis um, reincarnated into the spring goddess. Now, whoever found her egg would receive a special blessing from the goddess. Now, that's what happened after she died. Before, before she died, there would be um, another huge procession in um, Babylon that would begin at the city gates and go all the way up to the tower itself, where there was a temple built to honor their god known as Moloch. Now, um, during that um, opening day, this would begin at sunrise. The day before, priests would be given new robes to wear for the ceremony, and um, the priestesses, or who are also known as the vessel virgins, vessel virgins, a polite term, they were nothing but prostitutes, to put it um, kindly, they would wear... Um, these new hats that actually look like baby bonnets. You know, those um, little bonnets people would put on their newborn baby's head and then, you know, they were tied underneath with, you know, the ribbons. Yes, sir. Um, that's exactly what the, their new hats would look like. Wow. And, um, well, anyways, there'd be this huge procession um, to the Tower of Babylon itself. 
And um, the followers would bring all types of um, um, offerings. They'd be, be bringing um, cakes and um, sweetbreads and candies and spring flowers to honor um, um, Moloch. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this was done during sunrise. Now, the reason it was done at sunrise was because as soon as the service was over, everyone would immediately disperse from the tower um, because, remember, once um, Semiramis had died, she had come back in a reincarnated form as a spring goddess, and people were running across the countryside looking for her sacred egg so they could receive a special blessing from her. Wow. Now, let's review this. Well, according to tradition, um, don't they have these Easter parades to this very day? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's what we see going on in America and I don't know how many other countries around the world. Okay. Well... Men are getting new suits, and ladies used to buy new hats for Easter, correct? Yep. And new suits, new hats, sharp suits, and hats. Looking nice. <laughs> well, that, that's because the priests would, would, be, would be getting new robes, and the um, priestesses of the Vestal Virgins would be getting new bonnets. Hmm. That's where that comes from. Now, isn't yeah. it interesting that they'd be making um, these um, um, sweet cakes and sweetbreads and candies and flowers as offerings. Well, aren't we told about these cakes and such in the Bible, how people would be making these cakes unto the Queen of Heaven? Yes, sir. That's what it's talking about. These cakes were made to honor Semiramis the goddess of the occult world. Remember, she yeah. came back as the spring goddess. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd be bringing all these types of homemade candies also. Yeah. These were what all about the eggs? Go back to the, the egg. egg. Back. Okay, well, remember, the egg came about because of that giant multicolored egg that fell from heaven. Yeah. And that, remember, it was that egg <laughs> that Semiramis emerged from as the spring goddess. This is why you have an egg, and this is why people color the eggs. Oh. Remember, this was was a multicolored egg, according to the old stories. Uh Uh-huh. And this is why you have the Easter egg hunt. People were running around looking for the sacred egg of Semiramis, so that they would receive the special blessing from their goddess. Yeah. Now, wow. Um, in- interesting thing. You want um, You want me to tell you where the rabbit comes into all of this? Oh, please do. <laughs> okay. Now, if you go by Catholic tradition, the priest will tell you, well, just as you know, um, Christ came out of the ground, the chicken comes out of the egg. Now. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Doesn't it all? Uh, that's the, but that's the um, version. You mm. see, like any other of the goddesses, the ancient goddesses, the head goddesses of the uh, whatever um, 
occult tradition we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, like um, different cultures like the Babylonians, the um, the Greeks, the Romans. You know, they all had um, um, a fertility goddess. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's what Semiramis was also, according to tradition. She was a fertility goddess. So yeah. they chose the rabbit because the rabbit is the fastest procreating thing on God's earth. I mean, you look at the poor creature, it's having more puppies. Wow. That's why yeah. the rabbit was chosen as the symbol for the spring goddess because she's a fertility goddess. Wow, yeah. That's where the egg comes from. Now, if you remember, in the Bible, it tells us, um, it's in Ezekiel, where um, Ezekiel had been praying to God and basically asked him, why is your hand so heavy on your people? What's going on here? And God was um, explaining to Ezekiel that um, his people were in great sin. And so he was taking Ezekiel um, from place to place, in um, that area and showing him what the people are doing to deserve God's um, righteous punishment. And one of the places God um, put Ezekiel and showed him um, was at the very temple door where Christ was, where um, God was supposed to have been worshipped. We find out it says that there were women weeping and wailing over the death of Tammuz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, wow. We know Tammuz um, was supposed to be the reincarnation of his father, Nimrod. And so yes. Nimrod be- and so Tammuz became um, the god of the occult world. And these mm-hmm. women <coughs> were weeping and wailing over his death. Now, this lasted for exactly 40 days and 40 nights. The reason it was 40 was because, remember, um, Tammuz was killed by a wild boar when he was 40 years old. So each of those days represents one of the years and was his life. That's why it's 40 um, days um, to the 40 years. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Now, what, um, now, if you notice, people um, um, at the um, Easter banquet, um, are killing a ham and eating it, right? Yeah. Well, eating a ham, I should say. Yes, sir. Right. They traditionally eat the ham. The reason uh-huh. it's to eat the ham is because the ham represents the boar or the wild pig that killed their god. So, in essence, you're killing the boar which killed the god. Huh. That's where you get that from. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now, remember, all, um, according to Easter tradition, um, Christ, um, I mean, if we, if we look at the churches to this very day, aren't people still going to sunrise services? Uh-huh. It's early in the morning, 6 o'clock. Well, it's early you know, than that. You know what? Uh, there's nothing in the Bible to base it on. If we go... To John chapter 20, verse 1. Um, now, mind you, as it says, everyone, you can find this in the Bible. It's John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, it says, 
Now, remember, Jesus had died, he, he had been prepared, and he had been put in the sepulcher. Now, uh-huh. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say sunrise. It doesn't say sunset. It doesn't say, it doesn't say light. It says it was dark outside. Yeah. So how can we be having sunrise services since it was still dark out and sunrise hadn't even happened yet? Yeah. <laughs> you can't have that in any type of Christian ceremony unless you're following an occult tradition. Yeah. And people want to be blessed and used of God? Why don't you give up the occult practices, people, and then you can be used and blessed of God? As I said, John chapter 20, verse 1, clearly point, it was dark outside. Now, I think the God of my understanding, the God of creation, the God of everything that there is, knows the difference between his creation, since he made dark light, noontime, sunrise, sunset. Yeah. When he says it was dark outside, it was dark. It wasn't sunrise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. People, you can look this up yourself. I'm not making this up. John chapter 20, verse 1. Read it for yourself. Yeah. You see, the problem is, the church is teaching tradition and not scriptures. That's the problem. Tradition, yeah. Yeah. And we move on, again, Colossians 2, 8, not to go after the traditions of men. Man, yeah. Yep. Let me ask you, now, now Phil, I'm going to put you in the hot spot here with your permission. Uh-huh. Do you mind? Go. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, now, according to tradition, well, um, I'm going to use tradition as an example here. Mm-hmm. By what number did Noah bring the animals into the ark? Uh, one female, one male. So, what are you telling me? Two and two are two. Okay. Tradition teaches us that. But yeah. you know what, Phil? That's not Bible. Uh-huh. Now, if we go to, <coughs> excuse me, if we go uh-huh. to Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast, thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and the female. And of beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and the female. How much is seven and two? Nine. Uh Uh-huh. Genesis chapter seven, verses, um, verse two, but look at verse one and two. Uh, Tradition says it's two by two. Scripture says otherwise. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, they they do the same thing. Like for instance, Paul, uh, when he was Saul, and they talk about him. You know, some people preach about him falling off a horse, but nothing ever said he was on a horse. So I don't know. That's mm-hmm. just, that's just part of a you know uh, misinterpretation of the Bible, I guess. Tradition. Yeah. You see, this is a problem the church faces, um, among other problems. 
mm-hmm. they are teaching tradition. Yeah. I mean, how many um, um, oh, um, children Sunday schools um, have you seen in the classroom a, um, a, a picture of the ark and you see two of every animals going into the ark, two by two? Yeah, yeah, few times. That's not what the Bible teaches. Yeah. You see, the kids are looking at that and they're counting two. We're yeah. teaching them um, unscriptural truths. We're teaching them mm-hmm. lies. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And when um, the kids ask, or, um, aren't the parents or, and the preachers and the teachers saying, oh, it's by two? Yeah. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. That's not what it teaches. Yeah. It says seven of the clean and two of the unclean. Now, let me explain this. Um, when we're talking about clean animals, we're talking about animals, and you can check this in the Levitical laws. Animals um, like humans, human beings, um, um, were considered unclean if they gave birth. So those creatures that came to the ark two by two that the Bible said were unclean, um, they had already given birth. So um, by Levitical law, um, once a female had given birth, she was considered to be unclean for the next seven days. Then on the eighth day, she would go to the temple and offer up an offering to God for her sin. That's what it's talking about when it's unclean. Clean were hmm. those animals that just didn't procreate yet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sir. Yes, it's sir. A, <laughs> it's, it's a simple thing. There's no mystery here. It's just um, um, the seven um, just didn't have kids yet, and the unclean, the two by two, well, they had kids. Yeah. No mystery. Just, yeah. you know, a little bit of, you know, applied biblical um, knowledge. That's it. Yes, amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, we got um, 13 minutes left. Uh, we just go ahead and uh, let's talk to people about... Uh, uh, Jesus and uh, eternal life. Well, let me ask you a question here. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I want to digress back to um, December 25th for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. People are saying, we're celebrating the birthday of Jesus Christ. Let me say something here right now. Um, birthdays come straight from um, the ancient occult religions. It's, and to this very day, the, expl- the explanation will be the same. It is considered to be the highest day in any occultist life um, yeah. is their birthday because that's the day when their God um, brought them into the world. Not yeah. God, the, creation, the creator of all things, the God of my understanding, the God of everything. No. Mm-hmm. They're saying their occult false God gave them life, so that's the highest day in their life. Now, yeah. you know, that, that's where it comes from. And when you look in the scriptures, you'll find out twice, birthdays are mentioned. But when you look at who was celebrating their birthday, those people who were into the occult. Yeah. You didn't see Paul celebrating his birthday. You didn't see Peter. You didn't see Andrew. You didn't see Joseph or Mary. Yeah. No. <laughs> it was only a cultist. Now, 
let me let me pose this question. People tell me, oh, I'm celebrating the birthday of Christ on the 25th. Well, let me ask you this. How can you, now, it is Christ, not God in the flesh. Yes, he is. Right. Now, is God not infinite? He has no beginning and no end. He has no beginning and no end. He's okay. Infinite. So since God never had a beginning, and we know Jesus Christ is God, how could Jesus Christ have a birthday? <laughs> yeah. People, let's yeah. use some um, um, common sense here. We're talking about Jesus Christ now, God in the form. People will say, well, this is when he was manifested physically on the earth. No, excuse me. We know, according to the Old Testament, um, that um, Christ had to have been in the physical form at least a couple times. Remember, some of the angels that came up to Abram and told him, um, we're going to go to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy them? And remember, um, it was Christ who called the physical world into existence. Yeah. There's a physicality here. So, yeah. see, Christ was already um, in a physical body throughout eternity, as far as we know. There's nothing mm-hmm. in the Bible that says God never had a physical aspect. Yeah. So, we yeah. know, no matter how you shake it, since Christ is God and God is infinite, um, there's no way Christ um, has a birthday, let alone um, um, people are celebrating it. Yeah, yes, sir. The theology is completely off if you use that excuse. Well, uh-huh. we're just doing, you know, again, the Christmas thing for the sake of the kids. Or, well, I'm celebrating the birthday of Christ. Or, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart and that it's wicked and sinful. And you're coming up with excuses. Yeah. There's no excuse for this. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. But when you practice Halloween, Christmas, Easter, or any of the others, you're participating in very ancient occult religions now. You are, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you know it or not, worshiping yeah. false gods and worshiping them again in this very day and age. And all those things came from very ancient days and very ancient occult religions. Wow. Yeah. It's interwoven into our whole society. Even our, our architecture is is coming from uh, Rome and and Greece and all these other places, and uh, it continues to um, uh, even in the 21st century architecture. Um, I see more pyramids and and things, and that that'll be something we'll talk about uh, next time, especially Washington D.C. But um, you know. Yeah, in the movie theater, it has, for some strange reason, I guess they think pyramids look really nice, and it's even on the Walmart. Um, so that would be something we'll look at next time I'm talking about. Um, well, well, you know, it's interesting, Bill. I was in Walmart the other day, and they already have the Christmas stuff up, and um, Halloween hasn't even gone by yet, let alone Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, the Christmas that's... stuff is already there, but I will tell you one thing. Thanksgiving is the only major holiday on our uh-huh. calendar that isn't occultic. It yes, was sir. a day 
set aside by the pilgrims to thank God for his provision throughout the winter and all the way to that time. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, it, it, it's not a cultic in origin or anything, but the rest of them, I could sit you down and tell you the stories. Yes, sir, and I would li- I'd like to hear more of it. Um, I'd like to congratulate both of us, you and me, for, and I thank God for being able to get to a show. We had some technical difficulties, but it wasn't really bad as the last one. I've lost two uh, guest hosts, uh, guests coming on the show um, because of technical difficulties from Blog Talk Radio. But I have to say that changing computers and switch swiping on computers really helps. And God, thank you. <laughs> but um, anyway, you said you were going to have to. You said you had um, schedule um, Dr. Stan Montita at one point. Yeah, I got his email, man. I think we had like 20 emails um, going back and forth, and I never got a chance to get back. Me and him never got a chance to get back for some strange reason. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, done doc- uh, yeah I've spoken on Dr. Stan Monteith show at least yeah. a half a dozen times. And yes, I, I know. I don't know how many times, you know, we've met each other, you know, at different conventions, prophecy yes, summits, sir. whatever, sat down, and we just, you know, <laughs> choose the path. Yeah. Very, yeah. very nice man. Very nice yes, man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Indeed, indeed. Yes, and I enjoyed um, these two hours went pretty fast. Um, I was kind of worried that um, I didn't have the questions. Um, they weren't going to be able to fit in there. You did a wonderful job on um, <laughs> just uh, coming down. But um, thank you so much. Um, it's always been always wonderful to have you on the show. Um, and um, look forward to having you on there probably the first of the year sometime of the, if you can come on again. Well, 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 yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, God bless you, sir, and I hope your call gets better, and you have a wonderful week and weekend. God bless. Well, let's, uh, you take care of yourself, and God bless and keep each of every single one of your listeners, and God keep yes, you. I'm dear, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Goodbye. All right. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to um, be back after these messages.
October 30, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTurnan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. Check us out at www.pzrn.org. This is our website. We'll be um, giving you news on a daily basis, basis, and uh, we're expecting the website to take off like an eagle because God has his blessing in his hand upon this website. We're also going to be running a series of websites. We call it um, uh, Common Salvation uh, Ministries. And um, we will get the news out and get the word out. And the number one thing is is to distribute the word of God through the whole world um, and uh, get get uh, people saved. Uh, we can't do it, but the Holy Spirit does the work. He is the one. No one can come to Christ unless he is drawn. Um, and and as the snake has been lifted up, so will Jesus Christ be lifted up in this ministry. Um, please check us out. God bless y'all. Um, check us out at www.pzrn.org. God bless. You have been listening to the Prophecy Zone on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to check out our website at www.pzrn.org. Also, like us on Facebook at Prophecy Zone Radio News and at YouTube at Prophecy Zone. 
Be sure to check us out next time on The Prophecy Zone as we explore the past, observe the present, and hope for the soon future return of the Savior Jesus. God bless. Have a wonderful evening and a blessed weekend. God bless.